part of that process, um, I talked to the guys about teaching, and both of these two said, hey, we're, we're game to take a shot at it. So during this series, you'll actually have a couple different opportunities uh, while we're in the book of James to hear from these guys. So I am so excited. Can I pray for you guys before you start? Lord, thanks for your word. And I thank you for putting your word in Tucker's heart and Brogan's heart. And I just pray that you would anoint him and bless him to share with us today. In your name, amen. Woo! Give it up. Okay, all right. Just, just give us grace this morning. It's going to be an adventure. This is my first attempt at this. This is not Tucker's first, however. So, yeah, we're just... We've been prayed for, we've been planning a little bit, hopefully enough, so we're just, we're just going to go for it. So, uh, okay, slides are working. Uh, this is the um, Faith is a Verb uh, series out of the book of James, and uh, Tuck and I, and I are signed with uh, James 2, 1 through 13. Um, so we're just going to get into it with a few, uh, a few basic building blocks of my mom's recording. You see that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> a few, uh, a few basic building blocks of um, biblical preaching, and those two being well, really the one, but exegesis versus eisegesis. Exegesis there being the thir- the thorough investigation of biblical text within their various contexts to discover their original meaning or to lead out of is the uh, the basis from the Greek word to lead out of. I break for Greek. We're bringing it back. Eisegesis, on the other hand, is the approach of interpreting passages by reading into them a particular belief that is not at all evident or clear, or the Greek in there is to read into. Um, I was taught when I was at Simpson um, back in the day that exegesis was to let the Bible speak for itself, and eisegesis was to make the Bible speak what you wanted to speak with every preacher hopefully preferring the exegetical route versus the eisegetical. So those are just some, some basic little core building blocks we're going to work with today, as well as these two texts from Second Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And as well, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hopefully just teaching and no rebuking this morning. So um, with that, we're going to pray and we're going to start with a video because that's fun. Okay? Is everyone good? Yeah. You in the back? Kids, those in the back, you good? Okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to, uh, to come before you humbly in your presence and, and admit our faults, admit our weaknesses, and declare to the world who you are, um, to magnify you, to extol you in worship, Father. Um, thank you for the word that Sarah brought this morning. Thank you for coming in power and touching your church. Thank you for your spirit that breathes on us every day, Father, and we crave it more and more. Father, I, I pray this morning you would speak through us that you would come in, in spirit and truth and you would bring revelation and power and a clarity, Father. I thank you for this opportunity um, for Tucker and I as we grow and mature in the faith. And I pray that you would cover this morning with grace, so much grace, Father, because we need it. 
Thank you for this body of believers, Father. Thank you for letting us be a part of the tending and the shepherding, Father. We love you, Lord. to the crippled, because Jesus granted sight to the blind, because Jesus opened the ears of the deaf, because Jesus found prostitutes and tax collectors and drew them into the sphere of his love, because Jesus touched the untouchable and loved the unlovable and forgave the unforgivable and welcomed the undesirable, because Jesus even now saves the otherwise unsavable. Why? Because they deserve it. And loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done in righteousness, not because we met Him halfway, not because we took the proper steps forward and in good faith have elevated ourselves to the place of the deserving poor, but according to His mercy. We are here because Jesus Christ didn't say with cold indifference, give them what they deserve, they brought it on themselves. Jesus Christ is the mercy of God. And seeing us in our misery and need, He doesn't just feel for us. He takes the necessary action to relieve our distress. He leaves the eternal glory of heaven and the perfect fellowship of the Trinity. He condescends to us, lives among us, suffers like us, dies for us. Do you understand this? Have you experienced this? close all right just kidding um that was put together by one of my favorite pastors in the portland area besides glenn schroeder um yeah and i think that really encapsulates a lot of what we're trying to touch on today with mercy um but let's get into the actual text james 2 My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? 
but you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into the court? Dragging you into the court. Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of, of him to whom you belong? And then Tucker's going to finish it up. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So in the first part of the passage, um, James speaks on favoritism. And so my thinking on this was, all of God's creation stand in an even playing field. All people are created in God's image. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And faith in Jesus' restoration and salvation is attainable for all peoples. Um, that's, that's sort of based upon, um, that'd be verse, verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised? Um, I kept seeing, in, in terms of the even playing field, I kept seeing in the scripture how God would say things like, I will humble the, uh, the proud and the haughty and the elites of the world, and I would bring up the humble and the meek of the world. And I kind of saw visually how he's bringing up the meek and he's bringing down the proud, and there's like this even, even nature to the whole thing. We're in God's presence. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the man wearing the fine clothes and the gold ring or the tattered clothes and nothing, no ring, no jewelry, no nothing. Um, in that place... Um, because of what we know about all people being created in God's image politically and as a Christian, we see that there's that even, almost like a scythe just cuts through everything, and we see that the proud are here and the humble are here as well together. That's what I kept seeing with the, uh, the, the facets of um, getting rid of favoritism. We're charged with being merciful to all, and that's just a biblical truth. Um, in advance, God has a unique heart for the lowly, and there's so many uh, verses I could have pulled for this, but these uh, several, I think, spoke to me the most um, from the Beatitudes in, in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy as uh, Pastor Art in the video um, told us. Uh, and that's Jesus' heart for uh, the people he was around. He moved with compassion and he was around the broken, the oppressed, and the marginalized 24 7 because that's just who he was. Um, I think one of the most beautiful parts in, in his ministry is when he uh, ministered to the lepers because no one did that. Um, for political region, for reasons, for religious reasons, it was taboo to even walk around them in fear of getting their stench, their disease, their filth on you. Um, and, and Christ came right through that, and he cut right through that. He cut through all the political standings of the day and the religious law, and he, uh, he found people where they were, and he, he cut right through the heart. Um, it's beautiful. 
and that's again from um, from later on in James, the the poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. And that's again sort of that, that leveling thing. The poor are rich, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are meek will be inheritors of the earth or keeper of the kingdom keys. Um, again, uh, from James, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God has compassion on the weak and on the marginalized, as I said earlier. Um, his heart of justice shows through every encounter that Jesus had with people, and it's our example for, um, for today. One thing I kept thinking about in preparing for this is the uh, dispenses trips we would take in Mexico. And um, I think every time people would tell you, people will tell you, they're here. Um, they would bring their, their grocery bags to the, to the people we'd be ministering to. They would take the bags and say, oh, thank you so much, and they'd put it on the ground or on their table, whatever, and then they'd be eager to say, okay, please, please pray for me. Because as much as they needed the provision and the food, they were eager more so for, for the, the healing and compassion of God. They were broken people. They were meek people, humble people. Um, and that their heart really showed when, when that's what our, our ministry was looking like every time. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on either side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And that's from Luke 10. Uh, my note there is, the Samaritan made the harder choice. Uh, mercy is a harder choice, always, than judgment. The more strenuous choice that cost him time and even money uh, and energy, expense, exhaustion, all of it. Mercy isn't easy, um, and I dare say it's never, never easy, but it's always worth it. The harder choice, well, you'll grow more in the harder choice, and that's mercy versus judgment. So to emulate the arrow theme that Glenn has implemented, we, we, we see here, starting on the left, see the equally generous grace of God given on the even playing field, arrow, understand that you've received mercy in order to be merciful. Blessed to be a blessing, right? Welcome to Portland Vineyard. And again, Jesus' words, go and do likewise. So that's kind of our model. Is that, am I doing this right? Is that? Okay. Um, even more simply put um, from Jesus in, in regards to things like this, indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and the first who will be last. Um, Jesus came as, as humbly as humanly possible. Um, a baby born in a, a dirty, derelict stable. And 
the whole Roman world was expecting a, a warrior king to take the throne, to right all wrongs, and to just in a massive usurping to take the world back basically by storm. And in Christ, the Trinity made the harder choice to, to bring Christ in as humbly as possible, that that would be the example for the church. Mercy is a harder choice. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that example is for us at Calvary as well on the cross, where mercy and judgment came together at one perfect moment with Christ on the cross. And he came as humbly as he can, and he died in a just brutal death. But Jesus himself is the mercy of God. Pray for his eyes of mercy is the note I've got there. And we're going to pray at the end. And that's all I got. That's it. Tucker, my friend Tucker, is going to preach on the, the next segment here. Get ready, folks. Uh, so just picking up from verse 8, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and move this to the next slide. Something that caught my attention right away. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, so referring to the commandments, I looked this up, what royal law meant, and in my study notes it says the law of love is called royal because it is the supreme law that is the source of all other laws governing human relationships. Um, and so I, I looked up some of what these things mean, uh, and uh, what I also found was the supreme law that governs, it is the summation of all such laws. Um, and when I looked up the word summation, just because like, I don't entirely know what it means, uh, it says adding things together or the summing up of something. So all of the commandments really are a buildup or are meant to be added together to uh, lead towards the royal law, and that is the law established by love. Loving God and then loving your neighbors as yourself. And so mercy is first and foremost rooted out of um, knowing and being intimate with the Father, and then knowing and being intimate with others, and being in relationship um, so with that in mind, because I was really confused reading this text, uh, that like I felt really convicted, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted, um, and then when it got to uh, uh, convicted by the law as lawbreakers, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So that's very like intense to me. You break one small thing, you've broken the whole Ordeal, And so I was really curious as to what James was trying to, to get at here um, when he was talking about the law. And so um, I did, did some, some minor study. And, uh, and in Matthew uh, 5, 18 and 19, um, I'm going to flip over there really quickly, actually, just because I want to make sure I quote the scripture, right, and not just go off what I know. All right, uh, so Matthew uh, 5, 18-19 says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and then what I... Um, What's not included in the footnote that I had here in my Bible was verse 20. It says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, and then he uh, previously in verse 17 was talking about how um, 
he didn't come uh, to abolish or get rid of the law, but he came to be the fulfillment of the law. And Brogan touched on it in that perfect moment of mercy and judgment being met in the cross. Uh, and Jesus coming to fulfill every, every judgment that would have been owed to us for, for everything that we've done. Um, and so I, I typed in some notes here. It's very, very long, so you'll have to bear with me for a moment as I get to the, the meat of this. Um, <clears throat> It says he came to fulfill the law for us through Christ. A law that we could not hope to attain or live by is filled in his life. And through a reception of that, we are set free and given the grace to stumble through ups and downs of trying to live it all out. And so as I was reading that and understanding what the royal law meant, intimacy, the royal law, the summation of all the commandments is to know, to love God, to know God, and then know and love others. Um, and then reading Matthew, it was more of an understanding of not necessarily following every single rule and every single law, but when we do so religiously and not out of relationship and not out of knowing who the Father is, that's when that's when He's hurt most. That's when we've done wrong. And then so when we uh, display mercy to someone because it's the right thing, we do the the Christian thing to do, but in our hearts and internally. Um, we haven't actually given that over to the Lord, and we haven't spent time with God having those things uprooted out of our hearts. Um, we, we have broken the law. That's, that's kind of what's being emphasized, is the law is being broken. Um, the law, or as it's referred to um, in one of my footnotes, was um, the law is, is God's will or his desire or, or what he... Um, what he ultimately wants for us. So when we step out of that, it's not so much when we break rules as much as it is when our heart isn't right, when we haven't been faithful to him in those places. Um, furthermore, into the passage of James. Bounce on back real quick. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Um, so that kind of wraps up 10 and 11 and, and the theme of the law being um, the will of God and, and us being intimate with him and coming out of a place, um, or at least showing mercy out of a place of knowing him uh, and, and not out of a place of just trying to religiously do the right thing. Uh, and then this is the one that I was really excited about was 12 and 13. I love, I love this, this passage of scripture. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Um, what I have here uh, is two things that stuck out to me like a sore thumb. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law of freedom. Um, James is addressing uh, the Jew mostly the Jewish Christian church at the time. It was really meant for like the, the whole church, but a, a lot of what I've read says that it was more for the Jewish church because he was pastoring the Jewish Christian church. Um, so he isn't addressing a bunch of people who like are new to the gospel or like new to uh, Jesus. These are people who are trying to work out their salvation and are living in this new crazy thing that is pursuing Jesus. Uh, and, and he's inviting them into um, the law of freedom uh, in, in doing so, saying, you don't have to necessarily follow rules to be saved. You're already saved. He's addressing a saved people. He's talking about um, the intimacy and being lined up in the freedom already given to you. And by the law of freedom, you get, we get the choice. We get the, uh, the altogether choice on whether or not we want to display the heart of the Father and, and mercy. As uh, Pastor Art mentioned in that, that video, Jesus is the mercy of God. Um, so we, we have to kind of look at how we speak and how we act and if that lines up with the, with the heart of the Father. Something that I uh, 
typed in here is, uh, an opportunity to resent uh, God's mercy to all we encounter, knowing that when we could have been looked upon in judgment by God, Jesus paid the ultimate price to release freedom, mercy, and a new justice into the lives of broken people. Uh, he is mercy triumphing over judgment, and he has invited us into the same merciful work. Um, and so with that, it, it just it begs some questions for us as we go about our daily lives. Do we... Uh, do the works we do the ah, the words I typed in the wrong word. Do the words we speak to people speak mercy and grace and hope? Um, I also have a note here that says every space and environment that we go into, we have a choice where we either release freedom and an influence of freedom and an influence of mercy, or we release um, with withheld. We can withhold ourselves. We can withhold what's been given to us, uh, and and it's not inherently bad, um, but to to display mercy triumphing over judgment. Judgment has already has, has its place here in the world. People who don't know Jesus constantly struggle with feeling judged. There's so much comparison and so much desire to, um, I don't know, fit into a certain niche. And there's, there's so many people groups that are feel judged by us, the church. That we could get um, way into that. Um, and, but we won't today. Uh, but that, that, when we step into a room, we have the influence to display mercy and freedom. There's an opportunity there to do that. It's not just an opportunity to sit and be really good Christians at home or on Sunday. It's an opportunity to display freedom in doing so. And in doing so, it's not to say you're doing the wrong thing. That's not the heart of Jesus. It's to invite people to be free in who they are. And then out of that place, relationship with you as a person, relationship with Jesus, the royal law, coming back kind of full circle, um, when we invite people to be free in who they are in relationship with us, whether they know Jesus or not, we're beginning to display the heart of the Father, and mercy is beginning to triumph over judgment in that moment right there. So that's something we ought to hang on to, is, is we have an opportunity when you're at work, when you're at school, when you, uh, when you just go to coffee with that friend, you can either withhold and be totally fine and, and not necessarily say anything and maybe not even say anything offensive, and that's great, that's awesome. But like a culture of freedom is an invitation for a person to be entirely themselves. Just random little tangent. Uh, this book that I read called Keep Your Love On, uh, it, talks about, uh, it talks about two people having the entire freedom to be themselves in a relationship and be entirely different if the same goal is always connection. And so mercy triumphing over judgment was God's ultimate uh, desire for connection with the people who were far and lost and far off from him and, and were, were turning away from him. It was his ultimate desire and continued pursuit of connection with his people. And then in doing so, in displaying mercy over judgment, he's invited us into constant pursuit of connection. Um, so the other, the other verse that came to my mind as I was thinking about this was, uh, uh, I can't remember in which uh, book, Broken could probably help me out, but there's the passage where uh, it talks about you. You may you prophesied and you cast out demons and you saw people healed, but you never knew me. But you never knew me. Um, and I was just thinking about if we don't know what it means to really display mercy, or if we only do so in a religious manner, then did we really ever know him? Are we going to stand before him someday and be and be able to say we knew him? Is he going to look at us and say I knew you? Um, and I can, I can almost, I won't guarantee it, I don't know that much. But I will say there's a really high chance that if we don't know how to be merciful, if we don't know how to, to cast out judgment and create a culture of freedom and create a desire to ultimately connect over indifference, over cultural differences, over religious differences, whatever, you name it, it's, it's there. If we can't get over those things and don't know how to be merciful in those moments, how, how well can we say that we knew him? 
Um, and it all ties back into to being intimate with him, that royal law, that loving God and loving others, and ultimately tying that into everything that Brogan said. That knowing that stuff and the root of having those two things is out of humbly knowing uh, that that all of it was done by Jesus, that, that it is all his work, it's the continued work he's doing, and we have the freedom in choosing to partner with that and, and humbly be a part of what he's doing on the earth and in the kingdom, or we can we can sit and and really my understanding of that whole description of the law is when we sit and do nothing or when we are willing to to twiddle our thumbs and and not be necessarily offensive or um, love on that person who's who really doesn't seem all that lovely at all um, th- those are those are when we're we're breaking the law and really to me that just means we're breaking the heart of God like when you know when you know the Lord intimately it's not it's, it's not some rule or regulation we're talking about a person like Jesus is a person and we're breaking the heart of the father when we don't love on his kids the way that he did for us and it's not a not a judgment thing because again he would he follows his own word mercy triumphs over judgment it's a it's a matter of ah this is I want you in this with me I want you in the family business I uh, for me I've always called the reconciliation being the family business of God the family business is to reconcile his people so when we uh, don't participate in mercy triumphing over judgment then I feel like for me personally I haven't done everything that's kingdom when I haven't reconciled and when I haven't made it right when I haven't gone after making it right not everything will be made new here um, right now Um, but when when my heart is not postured towards reconciliation towards mercy triumphing over judgment every time um, then then I I need to be made right by by God and I need to to get before him and so um, with that I just wanted to We'll pray, I think is what Brogan said. He's my pastor, so I basically... Right, no, Glenn, Glenn is too. But, um, yeah, just a couple things I really wanted to kind of... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like today there might be an opportunity for some people who felt like uh, there's some mercy stuff maybe in the room uh, or some people who felt like they haven't received the mercy of God for some of your own things. I don't know if that's relevant for anyone, and if that's a pretty personal thing, then obviously you don't need to like make a big deal of it right now. But I wanted to, I wanted to just kind of close, but then also move into a time of, um, I don't know, releasing some freedom and some mercy for those who felt like they haven't had it. I just felt like there's a grace in the room for people, um, whoever, whoever feels like they've been missing the mercy of God in their own personal life. And they're thinking, there's no way I can go out and display mercy when I feel like I haven't, there's, uh, there isn't any for me. Um, and so I, I just wanted to cast that out, get rid of that today, uh, and create a space and opportunity. I'm going to give the microphone back over to Brogue to formally close, but then if Glenn wants to come up and kind of just move into a ministry time out of that, that would be awesome, if that's okay with you, Pastor. So with that, I'll give it back to Brogan, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll formally close, but then we'll just open it up for some prayer and ministry time. So to formally close, uh, let's go ahead and stand, and we'll pray. And if if there were to be a musical accompaniment, that could be all right. Ron and Cindy. Um, yeah, so, so we're going to pray and open it up for ministry this morning. Uh, thanks. Thanks a lot for getting through this with us. We really appreciate it. Father, we thank you um, for for bowing our heads this morning 
in a place that's free. Uh, free in your grace and free in your mercy, Father. Um, we pray now that you would, you would pierce the hearts that need piercing and you would mend the hearts that need mending, Father. Um, and you would show us how to be merciful, Father. Burn on our hearts the example of Jesus being merciful to the lepers, Father. We need that conviction, that, that reminding every new day, Father. For your mercies are new each morning, and we believe that. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Um, I pray that your truth would stick around. And uh, I pray that your spirit would move in this week and in this, in this day. That you would be exalted, that you would be honored and magnified. And that you would truly move us to be a merciful people in the name of Jesus. We love you, Father. Show us the way, Lord. Show us how to be more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen.